without any further ado, let's have Pastor Aaron come forward. He's going to give us the word this morning. How we doing? Good, good. Quick, uh, quick update. Uh, everybody remember Scott McNamara? Uh, he is, him and his family out of Ireland, uh, we have been uh, in the visa process now for about uh, eight, nine months, getting their visa done and ready so they can move here. Uh, Scott developed Jesus at the Door, which is a ministry tool that has seen thousands of people saved. Actually, while he was in Ireland for four years, he saw 6,000 people saved on the streets of Ireland and uh, felt like he was called to the United States. So we've been working with him. He's going to come here on staff here at the church. And we've been in the joyful process of our government's visa program. And uh, we are excited to say that two weeks ago he was approved and his visa is now ready. And uh, so he will be here uh, at the beginning of the year, most likely. We've had a house waiting for him. And uh, so we are just excited to have a bald, good-looking Irishman and his accent, which is the only reason why we wanted him in the first place was because of that amazing accent. I'm jealous of it and his style. So if my style changes and the way I speak changes, just know it's because I'm influenced by somebody I believe in. Uh, also, my wife... Uh, and Ashley are in Cambodia right now. They are uh, on day seven uh, of being there. I am still alive. Uh, my children, more importantly, are also still alive and uh, doing well. Uh, they've, eat, they've ate food at every meal, uh, and it's been healthy. Hallelujah. And nothing's been used in the microwave except to reheat healthy food. And uh, they come home on Wednesday. Please be praying for them. They've just seen salvations there in Cambodia. They've seen uh, amazing testimonies of being able to love on um, some women and children uh, there that are in desperate need. And they're with some missionaries who take uh, women and children out of the sex slave industry. So as you can imagine, it's been incredibly emotional uh, and exhausting. And uh, we're excited to just hear all that God has been doing. So today we're going to continue on a uh, series we've been discussing. How many people have been enjoying the series on deliverance? Muted response. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that enthusiasm. So we've been on a freedom and deliverance series. This is episode three. And today the title of my message is It's Garbage Day. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's Garbage Day. It's Garbage Day. Yes, that is a picture of 19... 99 uh, streets, and those are old garbage cans, but it is garbage day, and um, I'm going to explain what that means in just a moment, but uh, uh, part of what we've been talking about is how the spirit realm is real. The spirit realm is real, that uh, in fact it is more real than probably you and I. Ephesians 6 talks about how we fight not against flesh and blood, right, but we fight against principalities and spirits of darkness, Right? The devil is real. He is not just some red, weird-looking dude with a tail and a pitchfork. Right? He is real, and he hates your guts, and he wants you to be miserable. He's got little minions that aren't yellow. They're disembodied creatures looking for people to inhabit. Demons are real. They hate you. They despise you, and they want to make your life miserable. And too often as believers, we are ignorant of the reality that the spirit realm is real. And it makes us feel uncomfortable at times to talk about the devil, to talk about demons, to talk about darkness. 
And it's unfortunate because in anything in life, it's important to know what the opposition is doing, right? We do this in sports. If the Seattle Seahawks did not know what the other team was going to do before they faced them, they would get their butts kicked, right? The same is true for us. It's important to know what the opposition is doing. We aren't talking about the devil or demons to magnify them. On the contrary, we're taking a big old floodlight, shining it on darkness. And what happens when you shine light in the darkness? Darkness is removed. So in fact, what we're doing is we're magnifying the power and the freedom that is found in Jesus and reminding you that you can be free that you don't need to live bound. And the biggest lie, one of the biggest lies that Christians can have at times is that Christians cannot have a demon. Christians cannot be in bondage. I know this sounds really warm and fuzzy. I appreciate your smiling faces this morning as you listen to this really nice, sweet, enjoyable message. Thank you. Christians can have a demon, which is much different than demons having a Christian. Much different, okay? We've used this, this example before that, let's say you left your house on your way to come to church this morning. You left a door open or you left a window open. A thief came in through your door, sat in your living room, and stayed there. The only way that thief will leave is if you go home and remove the thief. That thief doesn't own your home, doesn't own the deed to your home, but he still is there. Same is true as a believer. A thief can come inside of your house, right? We are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is inside of us. But a thief can come in through an open door. A thief can come in and reside. And until we remove that thief, until we remove that thief, which who is the thief? The devil is a thief and he's prowling around wanting to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And too often times of believers, we're ignorant of the reality that Christians can be in bondage. Christians can be in bondage. And we have this, this, this perception of our lives, right, that we're free, right? Our lives can look good. We can have a good marriage. We can have, you know, our children can be healthy. We can have a good job. We can have nice things, a nice house, nice cars. But inside, there's areas in our lives that we could be in bondage to darkness. And too often, what we do is we excuse those areas as that's just a characteristic. I'm just... I, I'm just a little bit of a controlling person. That's just kind of how I lead people. I'm, it's, it's nothing bad. It's just kind of who I am. And so I just try to, you know, I manage it and I suppress it. Or I just kind of deal with, with my pornography addiction. And so I just choose to turn my computer so other people can see it. And, you know, I only do it once every couple of months. Or I'm not really an angry person. And I just try to suppress it and not get in situations where I might be angry. And after a while, what we do is the areas of bondage that are in our lives that are actually there, we describe them as something different. We describe them as an area that we're just trying to manage and work through, when in all reality, we, there's a foothold that the enemy has in our life, and we're not living free. We're not living in victory. And there's a lie that we believe that says, how could God love me if I have a demon living in me? How could God love me if I'm in bondage? But see, what we failed to remember is that Jesus did not come for perfect people. 
He didn't come for people who have it all together. He came for people who are broken and needy, people who have have issues, people like you and me who don't have it all together. He says, those are the ones that I want to live for. Those are the ones that I came for. It's the people who would humble themselves and say, "I I don't understand it all. I might not be free right now, but God, I'm desperate to have you come into my life. Remove whatever needs to be removed. Take the thief out when it's there. I just want to be free. Grab your Bibles with me and turn them to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. One of the biggest things as believers that we fail to understand at times is that Christians can be in bondage. Jesus, most of the people that Jesus cast demons out of in Scripture, do you know who they were? They were believers. Many of the people that Jesus delivered from demonic bondage in their lives, they were believers. And yet... We believe now, how could I be in bondage? I'm a Christian. And the devil has done a really great job in our Western culture to to be incognito and to camouflage himself as that's just a character trait, that's just a problem I'm managing, I'm just dealing with that in my own way. But in reality, it's bondage in your life that you can be free from. And in John chapter 8, verse 31, we read a story about where Jesus is talking to believers, and it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Who were they? They were Jews who believed in Jesus. They believed in the Lord. They were believers. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him. Who answered him? Those who believed. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So here we have Jesus. He's speaking to Jewish believers. And he's saying, you can be free. And they're saying, well, we're believers, We're Jewish believers. We've never been in bondage. Now, have you ever read the Old Testament before? They were in bondage to everyone. They were in bondage to the Assyrians. They were in bondage to the Chaldeans. They were in bondage to the Babylonians. In fact, at the time they make the statement, they're in bondage to the Romans. They've been in bondage a lot, but yet they make this statement. We've never been in bondage to anyone. I mean, this is just such a perfect picture of oftentimes believers' response to the statement that you could be in bondage. Well, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I could never be in bondage. Yet at the time you make this statement, you're in bondage to pride. You're in bondage to fear. You're in bondage to lust. You're in bondage to unforgiveness. You're in bondage to all these different things. But yet, I'm a Christian. Never. Never be in bondage. Have you ever gone people watching before? It's like my national pastime. I people watch for a living, right? And when you people watch, like generally you can like know exactly their problems in a moment, right? You, you like, you watch a girl walk by, oh, she's got daddy issues the way she's carrying herself in that outfit. Psh. Oh, that guy, you see the way he's talking to his kids, anger all over him. Oh, it's easy, it's easy to identify the problems in everybody else, right? But the moment somebody comes to us and says, hey, um, you know, Aaron, I think you've really got like a control issue. How dare you say that about me? You will never say that to me again. 
right? We're really good about prescribing everybody else's issues. But when it comes to our own, we're like, none. I don't have any. Everybody else has all the problems in the world. And in fact, what we do is we blame our problems on them. You want to know why I struggle with lust and pornography? Because it's how all the women dress. You want to know why I struggle with anger? Because it's my children. They bring it out of me. Right? You want to know why I struggle with unforgiveness? Because of what that person did to me. I don't have an unforgiveness problem. I'm just around mean people. Right? And we blame it on everybody else. We don't take any of the responsibility for our own. We never recognize our own problems and we're never introspective. One thing that I've been doing with my wife now for a few years is probably three or four times a year, which feels like a lot to me. I'll go to her and uh, I'll say, babe, is there anything that I could do better in? Now that's a loaded question, so I try to clarify it as being a husband and a father. Because if I make it open-ended, I'm in real trouble. So I'm like, babe, in terms of being a husband and a father, is there anything that you feel like I could do better? Because I know oftentimes I can develop habits or traits or, or different lifestyle decisions that I, to me seem fine. Be, because I can just, I can, I can excuse away this and I can clar clarify in that way. And, but, but generally people around me have a better perspective of how I'm doing than I do myself at times. And so it's important to have other people around you because too often we maintain the stigma. I'm a Christian, I'm fine. I believe in Jesus, I'm good. I got Jesus in my heart, I go to church, I could never be in bondage to anything. And the whole time, your spouse and your kids and your family and your coworkers are like, that guy's got lots of issues. But we don't believe that that's possible. In Luke, Luke 8, Luke 13, there's a story of Jesus, and he's in a church, and there's a woman there who has a demon in church. Not saying that is a prophetic picture of this morning, but it's possible many of you are sitting in church, and you've got bondage in your life. In fact, it's not only possible, it's very probable. Most Christians probably do. Most of you probably do. And I say that because I know from my own experience Many pastors do. It's not abnormal. In fact, it's normal in the Bible. Luke 13, Jesus is in a church. Verse 10, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and was bent over and could in no way stand, raise herself up. So picture this. Demonic spirit inside of her causes her to hunch over. Right? Oftentimes we think a demonic oppression is something on the inside, but oftentimes it is an outward expression. Like have you ever seen somebody whose countenance looks a certain way and you're like, yeah, they're struggling on the inside and is presenting itself on the outside. Right? We see this. We understand this. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Jesus answered very politically correct and said, you are a hypocrite. Does not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond 
on the Sabbath. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, and Galatians chapter 3, verse 29, it talks about how if you are of faith, you are a child of Abraham. You are a son or a daughter of Abraham. So he describes this lady as being a daughter of Abraham, which means she's a believer. She believes in God. Yet she has been bound by the devil for 18 years. 18 years, that's a long time. She's probably been to church a couple hundred times in that period, I would assume. 18 years. Came to church. Bound to darkness. People probably looked at her and thought, she just has a physical issue, but bondage inside of her changed even her outward experience. Jesus is letting there be an awareness in Scripture to say that you can be a believer and still be in bondage. Mark chapter 2. Sorry, Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 26. I don't have time to read it, but there's a story there about Jesus in church again. And a man who has a demon inside of him, who's a believer, comes out in church. Another story, in Mark 9, there's a child, there's a son who has a demon inside of him. And Jesus rebukes the demon and the demon leaves. A child. See, the devil doesn't play fair. He'll come to you in your weakest moment. He'll come to you when you're an infant, when you're a child. Imagine a five-year-old falls out of a boat, falls into the water, nearly drowns. All of a sudden, a door is open in that child's life for a spirit of fear to come in, sits there, waits, and resides. And it doesn't, all of a sudden, the child is 25, 30, deals with fear, doesn't realize where that's coming from, but it initiated at no one's fault. The devil doesn't play fair. He's going to attach himself to children, to old people, to Christians, to non-believers. He doesn't care. He despises you, and he will come in at every opportunity he can get. And too often we excuse the problems in our lives. And we try to say, well, it's, it's, I, I don't really, I'm not struggling with it. It's fine. I'm, I'm managing it. I'm dealing with it. When all along at the root of the problem is an area of bondage to darkness. Does anybody here in their family have chores, like assigned chores? All the young people raise their hand. Great. Yeah. So my wife and I. We don't really have assigned chores. We have like assumed chores, which she never forgets about. And sometimes I conveniently forget about my assumed chores. And uh, her, generally I make breakfast, she cleans up, she makes dinner, I clean up. It's really easy to remember that. Uh, she does a lot of the laundry. I, I'm responsible for the garbage. Like it's kind of my thing, I'm the garbage man. And uh, Wednesday is garbage day. It's that way every week. Every week, Wednesday is garbage day, which means Tuesday the garbage goes out. Now, I don't know why, but I always forget what happens on Tuesday. I always forget. Tuesday the garbage goes to the road. And so she very graciously reminds me nearly every week, Aaron, it's Tuesday. Yes, it is. I know it's Tuesday. Do you know what day it is? Yes, it's Tuesday. Put the garbage by the road. Yes, ma'am. I will do it. I'll put it by the road. Yes, mom. Sometimes I call her mom. And uh, I'm so grateful that she helps, re helps me remember my responsibilities. And so a couple weeks ago, uh, it was a Tuesday night, and I was getting ready to leave the house to come to an elders meeting here at the church. And um, as I was leaving, she was like, Aaron, it's garbage day tomorrow. Get the garbage by the road. Now, she said, the recycling is at the road already. 
but the garbage is not. So what I need you to do is, now it's amazing, she has to explain the whole thing to me, right? Yes. So what I need you to do, little child, is leave the recycling there and then go take the garbage and drag it to the street. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I will go do it. Because I believe in survival. I will obey. Your wish is my command. Now, has anybody's brain ever stopped working before? Right? All the men raised their hand. Yes. It is a syndrome at times. And at that moment, my brain stopped working. I heard what she said. Recycling's at the road. Take the garbage to the road. I confidently walked out of my house, looked at the recycling can by the road, and said, that looks strange. Grabbed the recycling can, put it in the garage, left the garbage there, got in my car, drove to the church, and did whatever I was doing that night. It was great. I did exactly what my wife asked me to do. Now the next day, she texts me and says, hey, Aaron, do you know what day it is? I'm like, babe, it's the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. How are you doing today? And she's like, no, do you know what day it is? Yes, this is the day I come home and we're going to kiss and just embrace each other. This is a good day. She's like, no, it's garbage day, son. <laughs> yes, it is. It is garbage day. And I did the exact opposite of what you asked me to do. And it's at that moment that I realized that sometimes my brain literally quits working. I didn't know it until then. And I'd like to say that that story has only happened one time in the last nine years of marriage but I'd be lying to you. It has happened more than once. Now, a few weeks before then, uh, my family, so we have my seven-year-old son named Israel, my five-year-old Charlie, uh, and our daughter, our youngest daughter was one and a half. She was taking a nap, and we were watching uh, American Ninja Warrior. Anybody watch American Ninja Warrior? Right? It's like one of the only clean shows you can watch with your family on TV. Hallelujah. And uh, if you don't know what it is, just picture very chiseled men and women doing an obstacle course. And it's a great way to feel very insecure about your own body. And if you watch it with your children, they'll be very good at reminding you what you are incapable of doing. Hey, Dad, can you run up a wall? Absolutely I can. I just choose not to do it. Hey, Dad, can you do a salmon letter 10 rungs high? Sure. But I just don't want to. It's my day off. Hey, Dad, are your arms like that? I'll show you, son, what my arms are like if you want to see. It's a little, it's a little, it creates insecurity. Let's just say. So we're watching this show. And, uh. They show this backstory of this. I look like I'm praying right now. This is my prayer stance. They're doing this backstory of this person there, and they take them to this back to their, their home where their parents live. And it basically looks like a scene out of hoarders. Like it's it's bad. Now Charlie has never seen hoarders, uh, and she's five, and she's never seen someone's house that's looked like that. And so she said, Daddy, what what is that? I'm like, Well, that's that's a lot of trash. And she's like, Why would they keep it there? Well. You know, they probably meant to take it to the street, but they didn't, and uh, they, and then they got comfortable with it, and they thought, hey, this isn't garbage anymore, this is, you know, it's, it goes, looks very nice with my sofa, and so they chose to keep it there, and she's like, well, why would they do that? Well, honey, they, maybe they don't have Jesus, and so you just should just pray for them and believe that they'll experience the love of God. Well, she heard me very well, so well that the next day she was driving with Tash, and she saw a girl drop garbage on the ground, and in her cute little child accent, she says, look, Mom, they're glittering. They have the devil in their heart. <laughs> so, basically, if you glitter anywhere, throw trash on the ground, the devil is in your heart. So get them out. And I'm raising very environmentally conscious children who will never glitter anywhere they go. 
and I will never tell my daughter that she's saying it the wrong way because it is so cute. And if any of you do, I will go glitter in your house. So you better not. You better not. <laughs> Look, Mom, she's glittering. And it was funny because the Lord began to show me after I realized that I stopped thinking for a moment. He said, Aaron, this is what Christians do, is they have all this trash and garbage in their life. And they choose to not put it by the road for God to come get. And pretty soon the very thing that they were trying to be free from, the very thing they were trying to throw out, the very thing that was meant to be given away and discarded, all of a sudden they become comfortable with. All of a sudden it's part of their decor. All of a sudden becomes, they become familiar with it and comfortable with it. And they're like, I could never leave without this. And the moment somebody points to my trash and says that that's garbage, I'm going to say, no, it is not. This is part of my, my house. This is part of my living room. How dare you tell me to get rid of this stuff? This, is, this, is, this makes me comfortable. This is part of my family. And this is what Christians do is we have issues in our lives that we're struggling with. And pretty soon it's like, oh, that's, unforgiveness is pretty comfortable. It's a pretty easy place to stay because I don't have to talk to that person anymore. And I can just deal with it my own way. And I don't have to try to change. And I know I'm just a controlling person, a manipulative person, but it's just kind of how I am. And I've tried to change, but I can't anymore. And all of a sudden we get pretty comfortable with the way we are. And the moment somebody points to us and says, hey, you could be in bondage to something. How dare you say that to me? How dare you call my garbage bondage? This is what I, I've worked hard for this garbage. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you today that today it's garbage day. Today is the day where you actually get to take that trash that you've been holding on to. You can begin to take that garbage that you've kept, that you've allowed to become decor in your life. And it's actually time to give it to the Lord and not to hold on to it any longer. See, it's really easy with trash to feel embarrassed about putting it out by the road. A couple months ago, we were tearing down our swimming pool, and we had an above-ground swimming pool in our backyard, and I don't keep very good care of it because it's a swimming pool, and it can turn green. It's just it's food coloring. And so it got green. And then when it was time to throw it away, I definitely didn't take care of it, so by the time I had to take it down, it was really bad. Like the whole thing turned, like the actual plastic turned green. And the last thing I wanted to do was put that out by the side of the road. Like, that's embarrassing. I'm like, Tash, we live in a neighborhood. I don't want my neighbors to see my swimming pool. That's embarrassing. It's green. Right? And as Christians, this is how we are. We're like, the last thing I want to do is go put my garbage in front of people. I don't want them to know that I have problems. And so what we do is we hold on to it. Uh, I can't go put it by the road because I don't want anybody to think that I have a problem because I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. Surely there's, there's nothing that's wrong with me. I got my act together. I don't have garbage in my life. But the whole time... We've got garbage that was meant to be given to the Lord that we're holding on to and we become comfortable with it. And the thief that came into our house, all of a sudden we're best friends with the guy. We give him a name. We talk to him. He keeps us happy. The pornography addiction. All of a sudden it's like, I can't imagine what I'd do without that. My best friend. I go to him when I need comfort. All of a sudden the the area of unforgiveness, I like that. It prevents me from getting hurt again. And the areas in our lives that we're in bondage to all of a sudden becomes part of us and we can't imagine life without them. When the whole time freedom is available. Freedom is available. You don't have to live with the garbage any longer. You can be free. 
But it requires an understanding that before you can be free, you first have to recognize that you could be in bondage. And if you don't recognize that you could be in bondage, freedom will never happen. You might have the appearance of freedom. Your life may look good. You may manage it and suppress it, but you won't be free. I know this all too well because I've experienced many times in my life a freedom moment. In my late teenage years, I struggled heavily with the spirit of pornography and lust. And I remember many times coming before the Lord saying, God, I'm so sorry. Like, can you forgive me and just, just help me? Help me to manage this. Right, and I tried to manage, I tried to manage bondage. I tried to manage a demon and you can't do it. And I remember just feeling like, God, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm repenting, I'm coming to church, right? I'd be on this stage, I'm on the worship team. God, I, I don't know what to do. And, and shame and guilt and condemnation would come in. I just remember just this feeling of, man, I'm a loser. Like I got the great outward appearance, but inside, Inside, I was dealing with this shame and this area of bondage that I couldn't get rid of. And I remember before even getting married, thinking, surely when I finally married Tash, it's all going to work out. Once I can be intimate with my wife, I'm never going to struggle with this again. And for the first few months, that's exactly what happened. I, I did great. And then all of a sudden, my guard was down, and I fell right back into the same old habit never realizing I could be free from it, trying to manage it, right? Turn the computer screen around, delete things off my phone, do whatever I could. I wanted to be free, I just didn't know I was in bondage. And I can remember just this feeling of like, I'm, I'm maybe I'm gonna deal with this for the rest of my life. I don't know if I can actually be free from this. I'm always gonna have to deal with struggling with temptation and desires that I can't put off. Like this is real. Like many of you in this moment, as I'm sharing this, you can identify with exactly what I'm talking about. Maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's control or manipulation or unforgiveness or whatever it may be. This feeling of this is just who I am, so I've got to learn to manage it and suppress it. Don't let anybody see. Right? It's like frozen. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. My daughter sings the song all the time. I'm like, no, you will let them see. Don't be afraid. Don't hide behind that. And I can remember hearing a message one time, and I don't remember who spoke it, but basically it was the first time I ever had the perspective that I might be in bondage. First time I thought, man, I could actually be free. And he used a message out of John, or James chapter 5, verse 16. And it says this, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I remember hearing this, and it was like the Lord told me at the exact moment who I needed to confess to. He's like, Aaron, if you want to be free, you need to follow this verse. And I knew he needed me to confess to my wife. I was like, God, I'll confess to anybody else, just not my wife. Like, please. And we were, you know, we were really newly married, and so I was like, she's going to not love me anymore. She's not going to believe in me. She won't forgive me. Like, I can't tell my wife. And for months, I just tried to excuse it away and figure out a different solution, as you can imagine, never still finding victory. 
And finally, one day, I got up the courage, and I went to my wife in the evening, and I was like, Tash, I need, to, I need to talk to you about something. And I began to just weep and cry and confess everything that I had been struggling with. And I began just to put it all on the table. And just, I can remember my wife, she just began to embrace me and love on me and forgive me. And I showed her this verse, I said, Tash, I believe that as I confess to you, I need you to pray for me. And the freedom that has been avoiding me, I'm actually gonna receive the moment you pray for me. I needed to confess first, not just to God, I needed to confess to man. And then as they prayed over me, freedom was gonna come. And I remember she prayed for me. And in that moment, I literally felt the bondage break in my life. I felt freedom in an area I had never experienced freedom for. But I gotta tell you, I mean, it's great we clapped to it. But there were years prior where I thought I was doing everything I knew to do. I was managing it. I didn't want it. I was trying to suppress it. Freedom never came. It was hell. Like, you want to know what hell feels like? Be in that situation and not get victory. It was terrible. And all of a sudden, revelation came. I'm in bondage. This isn't a character trait. This isn't just something i got to try to manage. But I'm in bondage to something, and I need to have be free from it. And freedom came when I confessed it to man. Oh, confessing to God is so easy. Oh, we do that in our head all the time. But confessing to man, another story. And I confessed it to the one that it would hurt the most. And then when she prayed for me, something broke. And this morning, I believe that the same thing is going to happen for many of you. That many of you are in a very similar situation to where I was. Maybe it's with pornography or lust. Maybe it's with something completely different. In first service, there was a lady who came up to me and said, Aaron, I've been struggling with unforgiveness for 30 years. I didn't even know what it was until you brought it to my attention. And for the first time, I feel like I've, I've experienced forgiveness for this person. You could be carrying around something for decades. You could be a Christian. You could have been a, a pastor and still been carrying around things for years. But today, it's garbage day. And today is the day that you take the trash you take the bondage, you get the thief out of your home and you experience freedom in a way you've never experienced it before. See, some of you may be like, well, I only mess up twice a year. You know, like if you're competing or if, if, if an army is facing another army, freedom is not, well, they just keep attacking us every couple of months. That's not freedom. Freedom is when you kill them and they're dead and you never hear from them again. That's called freedom. We didn't experience freedom from, from Britain. And then all of a sudden we kept fighting with them every few decades. No, it was freedom. That's what is available to you. It's not just a one-time experience where you have to go through another altar call. I'll tell you, when I got free, I didn't face temptation. I wasn't suppressing a desire. It was immediate freedom. And it's available to you. And this morning, I'm going to invite you in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. I want you to come out of your chair, and I want you to come up, and I want you to receive freedom. For many of you, the first time you've ever experienced it in your life, and many, many of you, as I've been sharing this morning, there's been things that the Holy Spirit has whispered to you to say, 
man, maybe that is an area that I've been trying to manage and deal with and explain away, but the whole time it's an area that I could actually be free from. Some of you have been dealing with manipulation and control that you've been leveraging, and you're like, well, this is just the way I live. Though you could be free from it. Some of you have been dealing with pornography and lust for years, or you have a spirit of perversion. You're like, I don't look at anything, but I think it. You could be free from that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray real quick for boldness and faith to be stirred in your spirit. And then I'm going to count to three. And if you want to be free, I want you to come up. Trust me, no one's looking at you because the whole time I've been speaking, they've been thinking about their own self. So no one's caring about what you're going to do. And care more about the freedom that you might get today than what somebody might think of you. Because when you actually get free, when you actually get free, they'll think of you a whole lot differently than they do right now. So Jesus, I ask right now that you would infuse faith and boldness in every person here. God, we want to shine a light on dark areas and ask for boldness in the name of Jesus. So if you want to get free, if there's an area in your life that you're saying, I need breakthrough from, I want you to come up right now. One, two, three. Come out of your chair. If you want to get free, if you want to get free, if there's an area in your life you're saying, I need to be free. Nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, probably every believer in this world has areas in their life where they need to be free from. What I want to do first before, before anything else is I just want you to begin to ask the Lord for faith to be stirred in your heart. And the reason why I want to pray for this is because I've prayed many, many times for freedom. And eventually when I didn't experience it for so long, a prayer became a token prayer. And I never actually thought I could be free. I just did it because it felt like I was supposed to do it. Not because I actually thought I would be free. But begin to ask the Lord, say, God, give me faith. This isn't just another altar call. This isn't just another moment, but God, this is my moment. This is the moment I experience freedom. God, let faith be stern. Impart faith in Jesus' name. And I want to do something else. If you came forward, I, I want you to be bold. If you came forward and you're saying, I need freedom from lust and pornography and perversion, I just want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand and be bold and say, I need breakthrough in this area. It's not just for guys, it's for girls as well. If you didn't come forward and you need it as well, raise your hand. If you need breakthrough or freedom in the area of pornography, lust, or perversion, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not doing this to embarrass you. I'm doing this to do exactly what the scripture said. I'm going to confess before man. I'm going to make a public statement to say, I need breakthrough. Enough is enough. I do not want to deal with this any longer. I'm going to give you another moment. If you want breakthrough in this area, raise your hand. Don't struggle with this another day. I'm going to pray for those with their hands raised for us. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for freedom. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for freedom. Father, I ask that there would be a memory wipe that there would be images and pictures and memories removed from their minds in Jesus' name. Father, that you would come in and restore hearts and minds, that guilt, shame, and condemnation would be removed in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask for the thief to be removed 
from their house. For the door to be closed, the window to be shut, and for the desire and the temptation to be gone in Jesus' name. Purity of mind, purity of heart. And God, we just ask for every person that came forward, God, that this would be a defining moment. Every person who said, I need to be free. There's a thief in my house. There's garbage in my life, and I need the trash to go to the road. God, we're not embarrassed by it. We recognize it, and we're saying today, Father, today I offer it to you. Today I place it by the road. Place it by the road. And I say, God, take it away. Take the thief out of my life. I don't want it any longer. Let forgiveness come in. Let peace come in. Let rest come in. Let purity come in. Yeah, I just really feel like there's some of you that are up here that you've got a generational thing that's been attached to you that it's the same thing your, your grandfather struggled with. It's the same thing your parents struggled with. It's a generational addiction or issue or tendency or habit. And I feel like today the line is being broken in your family line. that you've said, man, this is what my family's always struggled with. I've always had a spirit of poverty on my life. Or I've always had anger in my family. We break that in Jesus' name, blood of Jesus. Redefine family lines right now. Father, restore family lines right now. That heritage and generational bondage will be broken in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus, come in and break everything that's been passed down from generation to generation. We just ask for freedom to come right now. And fear to be removed. That when we go back and we see with the same, uh, the same lineage, that the, the same mistakes that have been done from parents and generations above, that it wouldn't bring fear back into our life, but it would remind us of what we've been broken from. And we would use the same freedom we've possessed to see the rest of our family become free. Church, will you stand with me? If you would just stretch your hands forward. Actually, before we do that, I want to give an opportunity here. I recognize that we're talking a lot about freedom and deliverance, but I know that there's some people here that may not even have a relationship with Jesus, and you may have even come forward. And you're saying, you know, I think, I, I think I've accepted him to my heart. I think he's become my Lord and Savior, but I'm not sure. Or maybe this is the first time you're ever hearing about it. I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to say, I need Jesus in my life. Maybe he was at one point, but you know he's not in there right now. And you're saying, I need him. I want to give you a chance to say, today I want to make him Lord and Savior of my life. And if you want to do that, I just want you to raise your hand with me. If you're saying, I need to make a decision today to give Jesus my life, just begin to raise your hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Today, I want to give Jesus my life. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Come on. What I want you to do is exactly what we're going to ask everybody up here to do, is I want you to come up and I want you to meet with somebody. Sir, if you would come up, Pastor Pat's right here. He's going to talk with you and this other gentleman. Come on, church, let's celebrate the decision that they just made. Come on. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Luke pass these out to everybody that came forward. 
This is not a bait and switch, but what we encourage you to do is the same thing that I do on a regular basis, is to meet with somebody. If you've experienced freedom in a moment, I'm telling you, you need someone to stand with you. If you didn't experience freedom in a moment, you need to meet with a pastor and to get free. Your life is too important. Your family is too important to not be free. And every single one of you needs to meet with a pastor. I do it regularly in my own life. I do it with my own wife. I do it with friends to be kept accountable, to be discipled, and each one of you need to meet with somebody to say, hey, here's what I need freedom over, and will you pray with me? Confess and be prayed for and experience freedom. So there's gonna be a bucket the elders are, or the ushers are gonna put right by the double doors. If you would fill out that paper, please, please do this. This is almost more important than coming forward. You need this. Your freedom is paramount. You need to have victory. So if you'd fill that out and just put in a bucket, we want to meet with you sometime in the next couple of weeks. We're going to reach out to you this week and set that up. Church, if you would just stretch your hands forward and just, uh, I want to pray one more time over people who came forward. Father, we ask that right now that every, every uh, lie and doubt that would try to creep into hearts and minds when they leave this altar, Father, would, would be removed in the name of Jesus. Father, that you would be fused with faith and belief that the decision that was made in this moment Father, is lasting and that they're never going back. Father, I ask for complete freedom. Not freedom for a moment, not freedom for a day or a month or a year. Complete freedom. And that those chains that have bound them, those thieves that have been in that house, Father, that that door would be shut and that they would have strength and fortitude and resolve to never open it again and the relationships around them that have maybe become affected by the areas of bondage in their lives we just pray restoration in Jesus name amen